But anyways, we're in our final week here now of uh, running with the Giants. And uh, I, I think it's been an incredible series as we've kind of gone back and just looked at some of these giants of our faith, those who have gone before us, those who have led the way, those who shared their stories and their examples. We're going to continue in this series. Next week, we're actually starting a new series through the month of August called Summer in the Psalms. As we just look at some of the Psalms and what the heart of those Psalms are, what the fullness of God, the faithfulness of God. I'm actually really excited that next week we actually have uh, not just a familiar face, but someone who's actually from our church community, Dan Mose, who's born in our, been part of our church community for a long time, actually served on staff. He is actually going to be here next week and just start this series, which I'm really excited about. But as we complete this series, the theme verse for our, our, our series is found in Hebrews 12, 1, where it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, again, if you've been part of the journey, you know that therefore, what it's there for is that Hebrews 11, the writer is outlining all the men and women of faith who've gone before, these heroes of faith, this hall of faith, uh, outlining all these people that he's, these, are part, these are some of the names or some of the faces in this cloud of witnesses. And, and there are many more before that. I believe Doris Schwartz is up there, part of the cloud of witnesses, part of our own community, right, Carol? She's cheering and you saw it. She's up there. She's part of that cloud of witnesses like many, many others. And they're cheering us on as we run our leg of the race. And they're encouraging us today. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Meaning, listen, it's going to get tough. You're going to trip up from time to time. You're going to stumble along the way. But throw off everything that hinders and let us run with, here's the big word, perseverance. With patient endurance. Learn to perseverance the race marked out for us. And this is the journey that we are on, isn't it? And we know if you've run this race long enough, you know that there are some seasons of life where you feel that you have the wind is at your back and you are just running full tilt and everything is good. God is in favorable. There's no potholes along the way and everything is great. However, those seasons are very short in life. Most of the time we find ourselves sort of running against the wind, right? Tripping over ourselves and tripping in potholes, and it's in these seasons, perseverance, and what the author is telling us, listen, there's things that are going to knock us down, but how we get back up, how we continue to run the race impacts our race, how we handle hardships impacts our race, so we need to develop perseverance, this patient endurance. So we're going to talk a little bit about this this morning, but a quick recap, you know, we, we talked about the life of Jacob and Isaiah, Elisha, and last week we talked about the life of Samson, realizing that failures are never final. That even Samson, someone who, who walked in disobedience and disrespect to someone who despised even the very calling of his life, still found favor in God in the final moments and was able to live out his calling. And failure is never final if you choose to get back up. And I don't know who needed to hear that last week, but I sure did. And so today we're going to look at the life of Sarah. The life of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And we've re we find her story starting in Genesis, or the part of her story we're going to read in part starting Genesis 15. Unfortunately, our notes are not available in the Version of Bible app. Some of you have already been looking for them. So you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. Get that pen and paper out. Go for it. You can take notes that way. Anyways, let's read in Genesis 15. It says, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. So this is before Abram... His name was changed to Abraham, right? We all know Abraham. We know the father, we're the father Abraham. We know that name, not familiar, not many of us are familiar with 
Abram, which is the same man, but God changed his name. It's like his wife Sarai was Sarai before she was Sarah. And the word, the, the, the uh, the U-H, the uh in their name is a, is a reflection of the character of God, the name of God, and on the Hebrew language, uh, meaning God. And we see in this story, as we read throughout the story, that as they surrender their heart and their lives to God, God actually becomes a part of them, and less, they become less and less like themselves and more and more like God. No longer Abram and Sarai, but Abraham and Sarah. Then become more of God. And isn't that the journey you and I are all on? As we follow Jesus, as we draw closer to Jesus, as we, as we follow in his word, that we reflect more of him and less of ourselves, that we follow after him. And so this is a journey they're on, but they're not there quite yet. But Abraham said to the sovereign Lord, what can, give me, uh, what, what can you give me since I'm childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer from Damascus? And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. And this is, this is a tragedy in this, in this, I mean, this is a tragedy in, in most life, but especially in this season, he's got no one to take his heir. He's worked for his life and he's acquired wealth, but no one is there in his own family to take it. And then the Lord of the Lord came to him and says, this will not be your heir, but the son, but a, but a son of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he took him outside and he said, look up at the star and count the scars. It's almost like a joke, because then he follows up, if indeed you can even count them. I don't know if you were outside last night, but we were having a bonfire last night, and we were leaning back in our chairs, and we were actually talking about it. We were looking at the stars and how bright they were. And can you even imagine beginning, even beginning to count how many stars there were? It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a rhetorical question. You can't even do it. And Abraham, God's speaking a promise to Abraham that even though you don't have a son, he's speaking to Sarai, even though you don't have a son, one day your descendants will be as many as the stars that you cannot even count today. So shall your offspring be, the Lord said. And so Abram believed from the Lord and was credited as righteousness. You see, it's interesting to note, it's important to know that this promise, this promise came 25 years before the provision. This promise that you will have a son, this promise that you will have a descendants as, as many or as vast as the stars in the sky came 25 years before the birth of Isaac, which is the son of the promise. 25 years they're holding on to the promise. 25 years they're holding on to the one day, maybe today, one day, if only one day. But they were both in the child-bearing, child-rearing age 25 years ago. Fast forward, they've kind of escaped that season of their life. They're no longer in that season. They're getting old. And it kind of speaks to this biblical principle that every promise has a process that isn't easy. Every promise, there is a process that isn't easy. And for most times, we kind of feel obligated, sometimes compelled to help God fulfill the promise in our timing, in our way, right? I don't know if you're like this. I don't know if you, I don't know if you lack patience. I don't know if that's you. Maybe it's just myself. You know, we want things now. We want it right down now. No, you guys are all good, but you guys got it all figured out, right? But, you know, this situation just speaks to the sense of patience, right? This patient endurance. And so if we were to look at the life of Sarah, the idea from Sarah's life we're going to explore today is, hey, when you can't understand God, and impatience threatens to overwhelm you. When you can't understand God, what he's doing, why he's allowing this to happen, and the, 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 the patience threatens, and the, the, the impatience threatens to overwhelm you. you I mean, you can't, you can't wait for tomorrow. i got to figure this out now, God. I can't wait for your timing. 
This speaks to the culture of today and most of us struggle with. But Sarah would say this. Sarah, I believe, would say this. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't try to get in the ring and make it happen on your own. Just trust the process of the promise. As I was sitting here this morning, actually that phrase, trust the process of the promise, was resonating. That's not in my notes. You can write that down. If you want a divine rainbow word, maybe that's for you today. But trust the process of the promise. Trust the process of the promise. And I know every one of us would love the fast, feel, that fast food meal deal, right? Like get that promise expedited as quickly as possible. But that is not how it works. It's not how it works. And so we're going to learn these lessons from Sarah. And so if you were to take Sarah's life, lessons from her life, here, let's, let's look at some three lessons that we would learn from her life, and then let's share three thoughts that if she were to come out of the crowd, if she were to make her way onto the track with us and run a lap with us, what would she encourage us with us today? The first lesson we can learn from her life is you need to trust God even if it takes a long, long, someone say long, long time. You need to trust God even if it takes a long time. And none of us like this. None of us. Who likes a long waiting a long time? I don't know about you, but sometimes we expect things to be done before we're even finishing the sentence. It's like, you know, it's got to be done now. If we're waiting in that Tim Hortons lineup for longer than we feel is necessary, which is like the pouring of, it takes me three minutes to make a coffee at home. Like it's got to be that quick, right? And we get impatient. We, we suffer impatience. But God is notoriously slow in our understanding of slowness. It's just a reality. I heard a story of a guy who said, hey, God, what is a million years like to you? God thought about it. He said, a million years is just like a second. The guy said, well, what's a million dollars like to you? And, the guy, and God said, well, a million dollars is, is like a penny. And the guy thought about it for a little bit. He said, God, can I have a penny? And God said, just a second. If you have to explain that joke to your neighbor, just let him, don't, don't explain it. I know that's funny. It's my dad jokes are coming out. But sometimes we get impatient, don't we? We look at the story in Genesis 16, 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Listen, time has spent, time has gone on. We've got this promise. You're going to have birth to a son. You're going to have multitude, a, 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 a multitude of de- descendants. But nothing is happened. And so she had this Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. And how many of us fall into this trap? For God's promise is not being fulfilled, therefore God has failed me. This is God's fault. God has let me down. God is ignoring me. God has forgotten about me. God doesn't believe in me. God doesn't think I'm able to handle it. God thinks I'm a sinner. God thinks I'm a failure. We put all the blame on God. And so she comes into her and says, because God is letting me down, because God is dropping the ball, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands, she says. So now go sleep with my maidservant. This is a trap, men. Don't ever fall for this trap. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now I guess I'll have to make this promise a reality. God's dropping the ball. The Lord has let me down. He gave me this promise, but he's forgotten about it, so I guess I have to make it happen on my own. And Abram did the worst thing a man could ever do in this situation is he agreed with his wife and he had and to what Sarai had said. And if you see that in this moment that Abram bears a child with Hagar named Ishmael, and now Ishmael is now the father of the Arab nation, if you study the lineage of history, where there's always been conflict from the day Ishmael was born, there's always been conflict between the Arab nation 
and the people of Israel. And what we learn is that the surrogate solution to a problem always creates greater chaos. The surrogate, our surrogate solution to a problem always creates greater chaos, which is often the case when you and I don't trust God's timing and we try to make things happen on our own, don't we? I don't know if you've experienced that in your own life. I don't know if you've had those moments where you try to make it happen and only just got worse before it got better. But Sarah would say, you need to trust God even if it takes a long time. Secondly, she'd say, you need to trust God even if it seems ridiculous. Even if it seems ridiculous, most of us like Christianity, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we like it neat. We like it tidy. We like it all tucked away. We like it pretty. We like it clean. We want it to be normal. We want it to be safe. We want it to be easy. But that is not the faith that we read about when we read Scripture, is it? That's not the normal way. God's normal way is actually not our normal way. Man's wisdom, the Bible said, is foolishness in the sight of God. That God uses what we think is, is wise to confound the wise. It's not normal to, to raise the dead. It's not normal to see miracles. It's not normal to leave your career and to follow Jesus like the disciples. That is not normal. But that is the attitude or the impression in which we need to follow Jesus. I heard someone say, if you're not astonished or afraid, you're probably not following Jesus close enough. If you're not astonished at what he's asking you to do or what he's doing through you, or you're not afraid of what he's asking you to do or what he wants to do through you, you're probably not following close enough. It may seem ridiculous. It may be seem out of norm. It may, it, may be seem, it may be seem testing and trying. But that is what God is asking us to. We have to be careful as followers of Jesus not to be uncomfortable with the absurd or the seemingly ridiculous. We need to learn how to walk by faith as we continue to trust in Him. We continue the story in Genesis 18. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening in the entrance of the tent, which, the, which was behind them. And Abram and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. Remember, 25 years has happened, right? The promise was given 25 years ago when they were young and able to bear children. 25 years later, now they're just kind of, kind of giving up on the promise. She's trying to make it happen on her own. That didn't work well. She says, and it, the, it, so Sarah was past the age of childhood. And so Sarah laughed at herself and she thought, I'm old I'm worn out and my master is old. Will I now have this pleasure? And when Sarah laughed, this isn't her laughing at a joke like that's funny. Like, ha, 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 you're so cute, that's funny. It's her laughing at a joke saying, whatever. Like, that ship has sailed. You know, she's almost mocking God in this promise. It's like, you promised this, but 25 years has passed. I don't think you're even able to, to fulfill this promise. It, that, that's, that ship has sailed. We are now old. We are, my master is old. We have passed the season of the promise. And so the Lord takes offense to this, and the Lord has a conversation with Abraham. He says, why did Sarah say that? Why did Sarah laugh and say, oh, well, I really have a child now that I'm old? And then he says something to her, to, to Abram, that we often quote, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sometimes God puts us in the most ridiculous of situations, or the seemingly impossible situations not for our benefit, or not for his benefit, but for our benefit, so we may remind ourselves again how good, how grand God is, that we don't take the credit for the reward. We don't take the credit for the success, but we give the glory back to God. The third thing we need to do is we need to trust God even when those around you don't. You know that when God gives you a promise and God speaks to you and he confirms in your heart, there's a lot of people who just don't understand it. And, and the devil is really good at putting those naysayers around your life, even well-meaning people, even people who love Jesus. 
but sometimes they don't get a vision the same way you got a vision for your life. And they, they try to talk some sense into your irrational promise. Anyone have? I don't know. No, show of hands. We don't have to show hands. But you know what I'm talking about? They want to talk some sense into your irrational promise, but you know in your heart that you've got a vision from God. You've got a promise from God, but these well-meaning people will come in and try to tell you what's up and try to get you back on the path. These voices can make you begin to doubt truth, but not just doubt truth, but doubt the promise, and more than that, even doubt the promise giver if we're not careful. And so Genesis, we see that Sarah finally relents and, and, and receives this birth, and she becomes pregnant. And, she, and Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. He's brought me joy. And everyone who hears about this, all those naysayers, all those doubters, all those who weren't sure, they will laugh with me. They, this is not laughter at scoff anymore. This is laughter of joy. And then she added, who would have said to Abram that Sarah would even nurse a child? Yet I have borne to him a son in this old age. I believe Sarah would say to you and I today, that God knew exactly what she was doing, that her surrogate solution was a poor substitute to God's promise. And she would encourage you and I to don't go there. Don't play that game. Don't get pulled into that trap. Don't try to offer surrogate solutions to the promise of God, but trust the process of the promise. Trust the process of the promise. We see this in Hebrews 11, 11. It says, by faith, I love this, even Sarah... The Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is, by faith, even Sarah, even Sarah, the one who laughed at God, who tried to fulfill the promise in her own way, even her, the one who was old and past childbearing age, was able to bear a child because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She landed on faith, and she allowed God to work in her heart. And so here's a question I want to ask for you today, is what promises are you holding on to today? What promise has God spoken over your life? What promise has God spoken over your family? What promise has God spoken over your future? What are you holding on to today? What promises are you trying to fill in your own strength? Are you trusting the process of the promise, or are you trying to make things happen on your own? What promise do you need to hand back in trust to God today? What situation is weighing on your heart? As Sarah comes down from the stands and as she runs a lap with us, I believe there are these three thoughts that she wants to say with us. Remember, the crowd is roaring, but you can't hear the voices from the crowd, you just hear a mass sound. And I believe John Maxwell wrote the book called Running with the Giants, where he kind of emptied this presence, like what this premise, like what happens if one of them came down and, and ran a lap with you? And what sense of encouragement would they give you? And here are three thoughts that I believe Sarah would encourage us today. One, don't try to get ahead of what God of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Don't try to get ahead of God. Just trust the process of the promise. Second Peter tells us that God is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient. Someone say patient. He's patient. If he is patient, therefore I need to be patient. But patience is hard, isn't it? Patience is hard. It's hard to trust God. It's hard to take your hands off the wheel. It's hard to let Jesus take the wheel. It's hard to just trust that he is working all things together for good for those who love him and call the according to his purpose. That sounds great when everything is working good. But it's hard when we're stuck in the gap between the promise, between the promise and the provision. And so Sarah would say, listen, don't go ahead of God's promise. And you know what the secret of waiting is? The secret of patience is doing something else in the meantime. Don't get fixated on it. 
Don't fixate on the issue. Don't fixate on the promise. But do something in the meantime. David would encourage us that the something you need to do, it doesn't matter where you are or who you are, the something that you need to do is to be still in the presence of the Lord. David, who's running. Listen, remember, David was anointed king at a young age, but for the most of his grown-up life, he was running from the problem. He was running. He had this promise, but he kept on getting further and further away from this promise as leaders tried to kill him and leaders tried to take him out, but he was holding on to this promise. And David would say to you and I, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Wait for him to act. Wait for him to lead you. And then he says, he says don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about the evil people who will prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Don't don't worry about those people. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about the evil people. If you read on what's happening, listen, they're going to get theirs. They're going to get their what what they what they reaping, they will they will what they've sowed rather they will reap. But he says, "Trust, wait patiently before the Lord. Don't worry." Do you and I need to turn our, 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 our worry into worship? We need to worship his worry in reverse, right? We need to take 10 minutes. If you don't do this, I want to encourage you. I don't need, you don't have to spend an hour every day. You don't need to spend 24 hours a day. But if you can take 10 minutes every day and just put on a worship song, if you're finding yourself in this gap of waiting, and just turn everything out and just allow the voice of God, the nature of God, to remind you who he is. It will calm that, that, that raging beast that inside of you that just wants to take control of your situation. But just give God an opportunity to remind you that he's faithful. Give God an opportunity to remind you that he is good. Give God an opportunity to remind you that he is working out to, in, in due process, in due time. Don't get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Secondly, she would say, is that you must wait, uh, when you must wait, when the time comes and you have to wait, focus on what's happening in you and not just what's happening to you. And it's a simple word shift, but man, oh man, that is a big process, isn't it? To not focus on what's happening to me, but to allow myself to reflect on what's happening in me. What does God want to do in me? When something happens to you, maybe God is wanting to do something in you. And if you're like me, you know, we have this conversation that says, I don't know what's going on, God. And God's like, I want to teach you something. And I'm like, nah, I'd rather you just fix it. We can save the life's lesson for later. Let's just fix the situation. I don't know if you're like that. I'd rather just, God, just fix the situation. I don't want to learn something here. I don't want to go through the process of discovery in this season. I'd rather you just fix the situation. And I believe God wants to speak to us. And I believe the sooner we get that, the sooner we can move through. But God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And that doesn't ring well in today's culture, right? But God is more interested in your character of who you are becoming than your comfort of how you feel today. And so we need to trust the process and not run ahead of it. Like pregnancy, there's a sense of pregnancy that you have to push through that pain because something beautiful is on the other side, right? Something beautiful is on the other side. But that process, I don't know, never experienced it myself, but I can imagine is not pretty, but the beauty is on the other side. Don't take my word for it. Let's take another man's word for it from, Rome, from Paul. He said, waiting does not diminish us, right, in, in Romans 8. Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We, enlarge in the, we are enlarged in the waiting. Some of us are enlarged in other ways. But we are enlarged in the waiting. And we, of course, do not see what's enlarging us. We can't see it. But, we, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyous our expectancy. Our expectancy. 
Listen, there is something that is brewing inside of us, and sometimes we have to allow that process to be made complete in order for the beauty to come out on the other side. Something good is about to happen, and so patience necessarily isn't the ability to wait, but it's how you to wait while you're waiting. It's, it's the posture of waiting. It's the posture of our heart, our willingness to lean in and learn through the process. James, the brother of John, says, James, the brother of Jesus, rather, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops, here's that word again, perseverance, patient endurance, and patience, endurance, perseverance, must finish its work in you so that you may be what? Say it with me. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Like there is a process that we have to go through that many of us want to overlick. We want to, we want to just run past it. We want to avoid that process. But there is a process of maturity, of patiently waiting, of patiently enduring, and trusting God through the pain and the trials of our situation and allowing him to do a work in us. Whether we like it or not, God is committed to this process. Like I said, the quicker we can work through that, the quicker we can embrace that, the quicker that God can do the deep work inside of us, and the faster we can get through it. Figuratively speaking, our journey today is to go from Sarai to Sarah, to not just be about ourselves, but to allow God to become part of us, to change our, our nature, to reflect more of him, to reflect his nature in every area of our life as you and I experience the purpose at work through us. And the last thing she would say is that even our very best cannot possibly compare to anything that God has in mind. Listen, as good as you think you can make it, as good as you think you can solve this problem, as good as you think you can kind of bring a solution to the, to the promise, there's nothing you can do that compare to God. Sometimes we believe we can do better, don't we? We know, none of us would admit this. These are the kind of the things that as Christians, as good Christians, we don't actually admit out loud. But in our hearts, and our actions, we kind of do this. We, we believe we, we can do better. We believe we have a better perspective. We believe we have a better handle on the situation. Sometimes we even believe that God just doesn't want the best for us. So we got to make it happen on our own. And this is a situation that many find ourselves in. But Isaiah tells us, since before the time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Who works for those who wait for him. And you and I can rest here today. We can leave here today knowing that God has a plan, a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. God has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. Some of you, God, God has spoken a promise. Now we need to trust in the process of the promise. Today we need to allow Sarah's story to encourage us through this process of the promise. And we pray, God, it's our, it's, while it's hard, may you work inside of me your nature so that I may have the, you, that I may experience the very best you have for me. My prayers for you, my prayers for our church, my prayers for our community, that God would work out the promise that he committed to us long ago. The promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us promise he's got great things in store for us the promise the specific promises he had for your life God wants to see those fulfilled and so what promise do you need to give back to God what area in your life do you need to allow God to grow and develop the waiting and what's stopping you from fully trusting in his timing my prayer is that you'd allow God to speak to your heart today let's stand to our feet 
I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And just before we leave and we go out throughout our day and we enjoy this beautiful Sunday, let's just allow God to speak to our hearts today. Maybe you have already been feeling the nudging of the Spirit of God, just kind of pointing an area, a promise, a situation, a circumstance already out in your heart. And today, I just want to create a moment to respond. Let's create a moment to just allow God to, or allow ourselves to acknowledge what God is pointing out in our hearts and give us an opportunity to respond back to God with trust. And so if, if God is speaking to you today, just really, really simply, just as a, a representation, can I just have you open up your hands and almost just give back that promise to God? Just offer it back the way you would offer a gift to somebody. Just, God, I'm, I'm, this promise that you've given me that I'm trying to run with on my own, this, this thing that I'm trying to control in my own strength and my own power, this thing that while I want to trust you, I'm not sure if I do trust you. God, I, I want to give it back to you. I want to put my hands and my, my, my promise into your good hands. And I don't want to be like Sarah who, who's trying to fight for a surrogate solution and, and create chaos in my life and in my world. But God, I want to trust in your timing. I want to trust in your plan. I want to trust in your purpose. I want to trust in your process of the promise. And so God, today I give it back to you. Help me today in this moment. Help me in this moment not to take it back when I leave. Help me in this moment not to take it back tomorrow, but to every day to allow you to speak to me, to every day trust in the promise. And trust not in just in the promise, but in you, the promise giver. I give you my life. I give you my future. I give you my dreams. I give you my fears and my failures. I give you those things, God, that worry me down and weigh me down, and I offer them back to you. So even when it feels like it's not going to happen, even when it feels like all hope is lost, may I cling on to you, the hope that's an anchor for my soul. Put my trust in you today. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your hope in Jesus at all. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm here to tell you that you just have to call upon the name of the Lord today. Maybe you're feeling that he's speaking to you in a way that is real and personal, that all of a sudden there's this relationship with Jesus that just doesn't, that all of a sudden uh, just feels very personal. And you can hear him calling your name and you can hear that tugging your voice. The Bible tells us that for all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I just want to encourage you, if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, you can just simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord. Jesus, I acknowledge you as the promise giver. Jesus, I acknowledge you have a plan for my life that is far beyond I could ever dream or imagine for myself, and I'm trusting you with my life. I trust you, God, to forgive me of my sins, forgive me of the things that have separated my relationship with you. And God, I pray that I receive your faith, I receive forgiveness by faith, and as much as I know now, God, I commit the following after you. God, I pray you would just make yourself real to every person here today that we leave this place, God, just with a steeper sense of encouragement of who you are. We love you in your precious name. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to tell somebody, I believe that accepting Jesus into your life and allowing him to be Lord of your life is the best decision you can ever make. And we wanted to tell somebody, if you have nobody to tell, you can tell us. There's a connection card found in the seat in front of you. You can bring that to the Welcome Center following the service. We'd love to celebrate with you and give you resources that will help you in your journey with Jesus. We're not asking you to join this church, but we want to help you as you walk in faith and in power with Jesus. And so I want to bless you today in the promise giver that we have. And so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that this week and every day and every situation and every moment 
in every trial and every tribulation, you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are dismissed. God bless. Have a great Sunday.